I know you're off today, so I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no, it's not a problem. I'm just chilling at school, so not a big deal. Welcome to the Baseball STL Podcast. J.J. Bailey with you once again on a rainy, cold day in St. Louis. But my guest, Brian Feldman, is not suffering from either of those. Brian's down in Jupiter keeping track of the Cardinals as they wrap up spring training, and he joins me today to go over some of the questions that everyone's been asking. Fifth rotation spot, who does it belong to? How does the outfield shake out? Is Randall Gritchick a lock? Where does Stephen Piscotty fit? What does the bench look like? All the questions that everyone's wondering about as we make our final run down the stretch of spring training, we're going to go over all of them. So sit back and enjoy, and I'll see you again at the end. Is this Jaime's spot now? Is this fifth rotation spot looking like it's going to be Jaime with all the factors in play? Well, it's certainly looking like that, and it's actually kind of interesting because it was Saturday morning when Mike Matheny does his normal chat, and he was telling us kind of what was going to be going on as far as uh, the, the next few days as far as starters. We knew John Lackey was going to start on Sunday. We knew Lance Lynn was going to go on Monday. And I asked him where Marco Gonzalez was going to throw, and he said he was going to piggyback on Sunday after John Lackey. Well, it turns out Marco only went two innings. And then I asked him about Jaime, and he said Garcia would throw on Tuesday on the off day. He wasn't going to piggyback. He was going to throw a simulated game on Tuesday. So now you have Marco Gonzalez. Uh, I'm sorry, between Carlos Martinez, Marco Gonzalez, and Jaime Garcia, Martinez piggybacks on Saturday for Wainwright. Marco had piggybacked for Lackey on Sunday, but Garcia does not piggyback. He actually gets his own day to start a simulated game. And when you map out the rotation and you say, okay, five days later, Waka has to start here. Five days later, so whatever, Wainwright has to start here. Five days later, Lynn has to start here. And Lackey, there's only two, two days that are pretty much open for a starter, and that's next Sunday – and then four days of rest in between, right on cue, the game in Memphis when the Cardinals travel to play their AAA affiliate, the Memphis Redbirds. And it just so happens that Tuesday, which is today, the day that Jaime Garcia has been told to throw a simulated game, is right on track, right on turn, to start those two open games that are not taken by the Big Four. So nothing's been announced by the team, but I was told a long time ago never to believe in coincidences. And I don't believe that it's a coincidence that Jaime Garcia has been kept on turn to start those two open games. Nothing's been official. Nothing's been said. But if we're going to read the tea leaves, it certainly makes sense that the guy who has the nastiest stuff, the guy who has the contract, the guy who you can't really necessarily – I'm not totally sure on the rules as far as putting him on the DL goes, but he's why would you put him on the DL? He's a completely healthy pitcher. I mean, it makes sense to put Marco back in AAA. Martinez is a little bit of a tricky situation as to what you're going to do there, but – I mean, Jaime Garcia, it certainly looks like if you read the tea leaves that he'll be that fifth starter to at least open the season. Well, now, you've been down there and you've seen him in person. You've watched them pitch. You know, you can look at the stats, and I know you look at Martinez's ERA, but you also go back and see that he gave up a big chunk of those runs in a single outing. In your opinion, from the eye test, is Jaime Garcia pitching better than Carlos Martinez right now? Well, there's two different factors at play here. Martinez... He is outstanding in his first couple innings. His biggest problem is once he starts getting through a lineup for the second time, that is always going to be his problem until he proves himself that he can do it, that he's going to be someone that only goes five or so innings 
and he doesn't go deep enough in the game. That's the problem, and that's why there are some in baseball who believe that he's going to have to be a reliever one day because he's not going to be able to go deep enough in the games. You can shut out teams for four or five innings all you want, but if you consistently leave your bullpen out to dry and ask them to take four, sometimes even five innings, you just can't do that every five days. Jaime Garcia, I wouldn't say he's been better statistically, and you got to take stats with a grain of salt because a lot of times you got to factor in who they're facing, and they're not really going on scouting reports. I mean, Lance Lynn told me yesterday he didn't even know who was in the lineup against him in Fort Myers for the Red Sox until he got there that day. It's not like he focuses on, okay, that's what this person does well. I mean, they don't do scouting reports now. And I would imagine that Garcia and Martinez don't necessarily either. The thing about Garcia is there's been times where he's thrown pitches, fastballs, and the hitters have to turn around and ask the umpire or the catcher, what was that? It was just a fastball. But he has such late movement on his pitches and that's what makes him so nasty that it doesn't even look like a fastball because it moves so much. So that's the thing with him is his stuff really is as nasty as anyone else's versus Martinez, who we know how overpowering he can be, but his problem in spring has been the same as his problem when he's been given chances to start in the minor leagues and last year in the major leagues. It's that he just, uh, by the time he gets through a rotation or the order for the second time, he starts to have some problems. So that would leave Martinez is is somewhat kind of out in the cold in terms of the major league team, I would imagine. That bullpen, especially from the right side, is more than taken care of. You're looking at probably Seth Manis in the seventh, Walden in the eighth, Rosenthal in the ninth, if I had to guess. You don't need a long reliever. You've got one already. You've got possibly a couple candidates there. So does that mean Martinez is headed to a AAA rotation spot, or do you think they'll make a they'll carve out a spot for him in the bullpen? That's a big question right now, and it's not just what's best for the team and what's best for the player. It's, it's also what's best for using his service time. There's an argument to be made that if you're wasting Carlos Martinez's service time on the major league roster in the bullpen, are you really getting use out of it? I mean, last year when they gave Joe Kelly that spot and they put Martinez in the bullpen, it was because they needed him back there. There was no Jordan Walden to pitch the eighth. They needed Martinez to take that spot. Well, this year, like you said, Trevor Rosenthal in the ninth, and you also have Jordan Walden in the eighth. Matt Belisle and Seth Manis are two other righties you know are going to be on the team. Mm. Randy Choate's one of the lefties. You imagine Kevin Segrist, who hasn't been overpowering, but he's been good enough to at least have a roster spot for now, would be another lefty. That really only leaves one other spot. Carlos Villanueva has been okay, hasn't been great, but he's been okay. There's an argument to be made. Marco Gonzalez could be in the mix for that, but I highly doubt it. I think they want him ready to start, and it just makes the most sense for him to be back in AAA. So do you want to lose the rights to Carlos Villanueva, who's been a pretty good reliever in his big league career? Not a great starter, but a good reliever. Do you want to lose his rights to give Martinez that spot to put him in a role that really wouldn't necessarily be you know, useful for his value because it's not like there is a spot for him in the, in the, in the back innings. He's not going to take Jordan Walden's spot in the eighth or Trevor Rosenthal's in the ninth. Do you want to do that, or do you want to put him back in Memphis and have him ready to start? But if you send him back to Memphis, are you wasting him there for what could be helping you in the major league team? Because you're going to sit here and tell me that Carlos Martinez is one of, one of your best 12 starters? Right now, I don't have the answer for you. All I can say is that there are pros and cons to both putting him in the bullpen and sending him back to Memphis. But one thing this does do is it screams, look, you have a guy here whose value might be higher in a trade than it necessarily would be just sitting on your roster and in the bullpen or as a depth starter waiting for somebody to get hurt. Not saying anything's going to happen, but at some point in time, the Cardinals are going to have to find some long-term use for Carlos Martinez because his trade value, as he goes on and on and on with his service time, and he gets closer and closer to free agency, which isn't for a few years, but his trade value would seemingly go down the longer you hold on to him. So 
it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. There's certainly pros and cons to uh, to both decisions. Well, he's I mean, now he's 23 years old, so I want to I want to couch this with that that he's 23. It's not like he's 27, 28. He's saying the right things. You see it out of camp. You know, I just want to help the team wherever they need me. I'm preparing as a starter, but I'm I'm more than prepared to do whatever role they want me to fill. You made you you mentioned what's best for the team, what's best for the player. What's best for the team, obviously, is utilize all the money you're spending on Jaime Garcia. Get him starting for you. If he's throwing well, then it's a great investment. Is AAA what's best for Martinez? Is there a psychological impact for him to have to be this close twice especially this season to really feel like this is his spot and then to not win it and be sent to triple a because there's a lot of questions being thrown around by fans is will this hurt him mentally will this hurt his motivation is there any indication of that that this might take the wind out of his sails if he misses the rotation for a second straight spring you know it's kind of funny a lot of fans and people that aren't really closely connected or even in the clubhouse can can come up with psyche evaluations all they want we're not psychiatrists look Carlos Martinez has all the motivation in the world to pitch well wherever he is. He would hardly be the first 23-year-old to get his heart broken with a big league job. <laughs> I mean, the guy is 23 years old. Yes, he's an elite prospect. Yes, he's someone that has a lot of talent. Yes, he's someone who at the age of 21 was setting up Trevor Rosenthal on a pennant run within a couple games of winning a World Series. Sure, it's gotten to the point where at his age – he has earned the right to be in a big league rotation. But again, he's hardly would be the first 23-year-old to get his heart broken. He's got a long career left. What would be best for him? You know, again, there's it, it, it's the age-old argument. Are you better getting ready, working on more pitches and more innings in the minor leagues against lesser competition in games that don't matter? Or are you at your best getting more out of facing big league hitters in games that matter where you're actually helping the major league team but you're not pitching as much. I mean, it was the same thing, and I think Randall Gritchick's going to make the team, but coming into spring training when there were some that believed he wouldn't, again, it's the same thing. Are you better getting everyday bats in AAA, or are you better coming off the bench in, in the majors? I think it's the same thing, and I'm sure the Cardinals are going through, and they have gone through this with several different pitchers several different times. There are pros and cons to going back to Memphis and starting every five days and working on all your pitches and being ready as a starter when there's a need, or... Again, the opposite. So there's pros and cons to both, and where the Cardinals are going to go, I guess it's hard to say. Well, I do think, I mean, it's pretty clear he's got, he certainly has major league stuff. He's got major league pitches. Longevity is his issue, so he doesn't have major league endurance yet. You're not going to get that out of the bullpen. So as you pointed out, I mean, he's 23. That's when you work on stuff. He's got major league pitching capability, but he's going to have to build up the innings, and there's really only one place that he can do that. So I got to I have to agree with you in that Memphis could be the likely best-case scenario for him. But you did mention Randall Gritchick, and the next question, obviously, out of camp is, what's going on with this outfield? Uh, Randall Gritchick has pretty much played himself into a spot, correct? I would think so. I mean, the guy's hit, what, four home runs now, and this is a team that's starved for power, and he has as much raw power as anybody on the team. I'm telling you, outside of Matt Holliday, I don't think there's anybody on this team that hits the ball as hard as him. And even... Holiday himself may not hit the ball as hard off the bat, bat speed, miles per hour, right off the bat that Randall Gritchick does. I mean, the guy is strong, and he has as much raw power as anybody that you're going to find on this roster. So, yeah, I think he's played his way onto, uh, onto the team. Whether it was Shane Deist or if it was, it was Brock, one of them said they haven't seen a ball come off the bat as hard as what comes off Randall Gritchick's bat in 20, 30 years. I don't. I don't know if you could measure that, but that's certainly a compliment from, from Hall of Famers to notice that he really 
I mean, he hits ropes. I mean, he hits frozen peas down the line. The concern was how he hits off of righties. That's and concerning. He hit 235 in Memphis last year off of righties. I know he hit a, he hit at least one off a of righty already. As I think two, yeah. Two? Okay. Yeah, he, he spent a lot of time this offseason working on doing better against righties. He, I believe he told the Post-Dispatch that he had a pitching machine. Literally, he just stood there while a pitching machine fed him right-handed curveballs and fastballs just so he could see the ball breaking away from himself. I mean, that's the thing. is, And he told me that with lefties, the ball is breaking into you. And for some reason, he was better at that. And he wasn't as good as the ball breaking away from him coming off of righty. Now, it's one thing just to be better with one as opposed to the other, but eventually you keep doing it again and again and again, it gets into your head. And people keep telling you that you can't hit righties. And people keep asking you, why can't you hit righties? And obviously, it's often the media... You know, we're, we're as much to blame in this as anything because we keep asking him the same questions. So it's only human nature if this stuff starts to get into his head. And he even told me that's a little bit in his head. It's not as much that he can't hit righties. It's part of it, yes, has gotten into his head. So we spent a lot of the offseason working on that. He has been better. But, again, you have to take it with a grain of salt because spring training, not all spring training at bats are created equal. You know, sometimes you are facing major league pitching and sometimes you're facing double-A minor leaguers when you're hitting in the ninth inning. Some of it is can be taken, you know, at face value and some of it cannot, but he has certainly been better. And as far as I'm concerned, and this is just my personal opinion, I think he's accomplished everything he needs to at the triple-A level. I think he is ready to get major at-bats, maybe not necessarily everyday at-bats because there's no everyday spot, but you can still find a way potentially as a fourth outfielder. He can play center, he can play left, he can play right. Uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for bats, and I think he's someone that could be, um, you know, fed that apprentice role like Matt, Matt Adams had a couple of years ago, Matt Carpenter had a, a year before that. I think that'd be a good role for Randall Gritchick this year. Well, on the opposite side of that coin is Peter Borges, who has struggled mightily at the plate, uh, which I think is certainly, I'm sure, a surprise to him. But even as I, I'd say I was a little surprised because of all the work and all the, the health rebounding, I assumed we'd see a little better, better numbers out of him. Now, he's not really being kept around to be an offensive juggernaut. But what is he, I think he's got two hits so far in the spring. Yep. I mean, is this does that kind of close the book on him as even contending for an everyday spot? Is he just are, are the Cardinals saying that he's maybe maybe it's deceiving because he is working on something at the plate or is this just this has kind of cemented his role as a late game defensive replacement? Well, I think his uh, possibility of being an everyday player never existed coming into spring. I interviewed him on the first few days that I got here in Florida. And he conceded center field to John Jay. He basically said Jay had a great year. He was rewarded with the contract that he got. He knew he wasn't going to be the everyday player. All he wanted to be was someone who got more at-bats than he did last year. He really doesn't want to be just a defensive replacement. Right now, you have to worry about whether or not that's a role you should even have on the bench. Because mm-hmm. the Cardinals' biggest problem the last couple of years has been a weak bench. Whereas you get to the eighth and ninth innings and you have one legitimate guy who can be a pinch hitter. Next thing you know, you burn that person, and then you got nothing after that. This is a team that, obviously, you never use your backup catcher, so you can't even count Tony Cruz. They're almost backed into a corner, and you have to keep Pete Cosmo on the roster as a the only true backup to Johnny Peralta. And we know Pete Cosmo is a very good defender, but he's not much of a hitter. So then that leaves you really three spots. Okay, Mark Reynolds is one. That's great. But what else? Randall Gritchick is two. That's nice. But you'd really like another one. And if you went Peter Borges, that would leave you with an all-right-handed bench. And I know that the starting lineup leans more to the left, but do you really want to have only righties on your bench? 
especially one who would just be a defensive replacement, considering you already have a pretty good defensive outfield with Jay in center and a gold glover and Jason Hayward in right. Randall Grichik replacing Matt Holliday in left for that defensive alignment is, is pretty good. I mean, it's not necessarily as good as Peter Borges in center moving Jay to left, but it's still pretty good. So Cardinals need to figure out what value they can get from Peter Borges the most and whether or not it's moving them off roster to keep someone like Ty Kelly who can play the outfield, who can play second base, who can play third base. But most importantly, he's a switch hitter, and he takes really good at bats. He has a very high on-base percentage, and he is someone who is going to be very patient at the plate. And if you needed somebody to pinch hit for the pitcher or someone late in the game, he could give you probably a much better at bat and get on base at a much higher clip than Peter Borges is going to. So I don't know what's going on with Borges. I mean, he's someone that certainly had hip surgery in the offseason, and he came in and it's not necessarily working on things. It's just that he was trying to get used to a swing he wasn't able to have last year because of the injury. And at this point, his hip's fine. His hip's been fine for a while. He just hasn't been able to get much traction at the plate. And Mike Matheny said it, you know, pretty blunt. He said Borges is definitely concerned about Borges. So what is John Moselock going to do? I don't know. It's an interesting scenario because he's certainly a, an elite defender and he's someone who has plus speed. But if you can't get on base, then it's uh, it's hard to win in the National League. It is my understanding Peter Borges does have an option left. The only two people that do not have options are Pete Cosma and Sam Freeman. Do not okay. hold me to that. Uh, but it is my understanding he actually does have an option remaining. So he could be sent down. That is a possibility. I believe Peter Borges still does have an option. You made a mention that you've got a lot of right-handers on the bench, a couple of them. Ty Kelly could solve that issue, being able to hit from both sides. Pete Cosmo, 464 average. I know we talked about him a lot last time you and I talked, and I know it's spring training, and spring training stats don't really, really matter. But once again, here we are in spring, and he seems to be hitting pretty well. Without an option to be moved down, has he played well enough to win the the utility role or utility role 1.0 and Ty Kelly could complement behind him? Because he's out of options, you can't do what you did with him last year and just have your true backup to Johnny Peralta be stashed in AAA. Ideally, I think that's what the Cardinals would like to do. Because last year, if Peralta got hurt, they'd just bring up Cosma and he would be the person that, okay, he wouldn't hit very much, but at least you get good defense. I think ideally that's what they would want, but they can't do that this year. Right now, if, if you try and send down Cosman, and he gets picked up by Jeff Luno and the Houston Astros or something like that, or gets picked up by another team, and you lose out on Cosma, then if Peralta goes down, what are you left with? You're left with a bunch of guys who can play shortstop, but they're not nearly as good as Cosmo would be defensively. And don't eliminate defense at shortstop, because with a ground ball staff like the Cardinals have, you'd lose a lot of runs by having someone who, who wasn't very good defensively out there at shortstop. So I think the fact that he's out of options and they really cannot afford to even take the chance of losing him, he, he kind of has to be on the roster. And his offense almost doesn't even matter because at this point in his career, they know what he does as, as a hitter. I mean, he'll give you he'll give you a good at bat in a clutch situation, but he's certainly not going to be someone over a long haul that's you know certainly going to hit anything above 210, 220 or anything like that. Mike Matheny's been using Cosmo a lot in the outfield. He's been using him a lot all over the infield. And for the most part, I think it's, it's almost safe to assume that he's got a roster spot locked down just because of what he brings versus what everyone else on the roster does not bring. In, in the race, Ty Kelly, Dean Anna, Greg Garcia is, is no longer part of it. Which one of those guys has the edge then? Dean Anna, we haven't seen much of him. He hasn't received as many at-bats. He hasn't received as much playing time, I think, as some of the others. You just Right now is when you start really looking at who's drawing the starting assignments. And you haven't seen Dean Anna start too many games. Ty Kelly has. Ty Kelly just started the other day at second base over Colton Wong. 
pretty much every day, it's been either Wong or Ty Kelly starting at second base. So I think Kelly is far past Dina in a, in a race for a bench roll. So he would be next. Now, let's not forget the name Jacob Wilson. He's had an outstanding spring, but he's going to go back to Memphis at some point, and he's someone that certainly could be up in the middle of the year if he hits as well as the Cardinals think he can, and there's a need. But for right now, it's Kelly. But the question is, where do they want to go with that role? So if the bench consists of Pete Cosma, Tony Cruz, Mark Reynolds, assuming Randall Gritchick's here, that's four. So that really leaves one spot. Do you want another righty in Peter Borges as the defensive replacement outfielder, or do you move him or option him, whatever you choose to do, and go with someone like Kelly? Xavier Scruggs can play the outfield. He hasn't hit as well as they wanted him to hit. Uh, like I said, Dean Anna is far behind Kelly as far as uh, the totem pole and how many pats he's gotten. So right now I'd say it's, if they're going to go with another utility player and they don't want to do anything with Borges, then, um, then they would go with Kelly. But Kelly seems to be the top among the utility players. The final, kind of the final piece that, that a lot of people are talking about, that a lot of people are wondering about and seem to have some split opinions on is Stephen Piscotty. Uh, you know, he'd, he'd come in he'd, all offseason, he'd come into the spring working on power, you know, not just doubles, but he wanted home runs more than just good at bats. Was I mean, there was never really a chance that he was going to break onto this major league roster as stacked as the outfield was, but has he raised any eyebrows in his time down there? Is, are they seeing anything? Are they sounding encouraged? It's interesting on the Piscotty front because he actually did change his swing, and he'll lead you to believe it's not significant, but when you're tweaking your swing just a little, it is significant. He went back to Stanford this offseason, and he worked with some of his hitting coaches on trying to get a little bit more lift so he can drive the ball into the gap a little bit more. And you're not seeing the outrageous spring this year like he had last year, but again, it's because he's trying to tweak something. He knows that if he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll be a very good defensive outfielder who hits for a high average, relatively high on base percentage, but doesn't hit for a lot of power. And that's fine if you can play center field, but in a corner outfield spot, you need to hit for more power. He, he's an interesting compliment to Randall Grichik and the fact that Grichik would love to have Piscotty's contact rate, but he just doesn't have his power. So they're, they're kind of opposites in that respect from a contact rate to a power perspective. I don't know if I would say he's just a guy. I think that at worst, Piscotty probably projects it 10 to 15 home runs. Now, is that as much as a team would ideally like in a corner outfield spot? Well, if you can hit 3 310 with a 360, 370 on base percentage with 10 to 15 home runs and play above average defense with a very good arm in right field, a lot of teams out there would take that. There's a market for that. So I wouldn't say he's just a guy, but power is a limited resource in this game, and Randall Grichuk has it, and as of right now, Stephen Piscotty doesn't. But again, Stephen Piscotty's 24 years old. He has a plan. The team has a plan for him, and I think it would be foolish to completely dismiss a very smart guy who's a very hard worker and knows what he's doing won't be able to find a little more gap-to-gap power. It may not necessarily the power may come with driving the ball over the wall, but if you could find more doubles power and increase the slugging percentage that way, then the Cardinals would certainly take that. All right, that was our conversation. Wrapping down some of the questions from spring training as we speed toward the finale. Uh, while I was here in studio looking out at the gray skies of St. Louis, I don't know if you could hear the twinkle in Brian's voice, but he was poolside down in Florida 
So he's been there quite a while, and I know he's got some upcoming uh, nuptials that he's got to prepare for, but there are worse places to do a podcast, I can imagine. We want to hear from you. We want to know who you think the outfield should be, who earned the fifth rotation spot, where you think Carlos Martinez fits best. Is it the bullpen? Is it in AAA? Curious for all of those. Uh, find Brian on Twitter at B Feldman. Find me on Twitter at DJJ Bailey. As always, I hope we entertained you guys, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>